Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. SDCC panel details are released. David Harewood shares the season two premiere title. And we discuss Justice League Cosmic Clash. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode, we are going to discuss the animated movie called Lego DC Comics Superheroes Justice League Cosmic Clash. But first up, we have... The News. According to KryptonSite.com, the Supergirl panel at San Diego Comic-Con will take place on Saturday, July 23rd from 3.30 to 4.15 p.m. in Ballroom 20. No exact guests have been revealed yet, but per the panel's description from Warner Brothers TV, the event will include appearances from the show's cast and creative team, a special video presentation, and a Q&A session. So that's very exciting. I'm hoping that we'll get new characters announced because last Comic-Con in San Diego, they told us about Reactron, they told us about Livewire. So I'm hoping we'll hear about characters that we know about the Wonder Woman POTUS and we know about Superman, but I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get to know maybe that there's other characters in addition to like Lena Luthor and Maggie Sawyer and those characters. I'm hoping we get maybe some baddies announced and uh, hopefully we'll get kind of an idea of what season two is going to be like when we, when we get this panel. Yeah. Maybe they'll announce uh, more casting news for like the recurring characters. Yeah, because they even last year they announced that's when they announced Maxwell Lord was going to be played by Peter Fashionelli. Right. So that could definitely happen. And I'm I'm sort of surprised by these panels. Maybe it's because I don't go to San Diego Comic-Con that these panels are only 45 minutes long. That seems very quick. <laughs> but I, it depends, I think. They're usually sometimes are pretty short actually. Yeah. Cuz I cuz I don't I haven't been either to San Diego and that is and a lot of the times when they end up posting the full panels online, which a lot of sites do, I think if you if you subscribe to the Comic-Con network or whatever it is they're offering, you'll get to see all that stuff posted. But it's usually under an hour, which is kind of sad, but true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, are they offering the streaming ability now? Because I think I read something like that. Yeah, I, I think it sure. starts now. I have okay. to check. I read... I wrote a thing about it at one point, I think, because uh, like Mark Hamill's getting ready to do a show for Comic-Con Network, the streaming service that is. And I believe you can sign up right now, um, but I know it's definitely going to give people access. I mean, I would say a lot of panels tend to go up on YouTube, though, yeah, pretty quickly. So I in don't the, know. In, I the, mean, in it, the past, it, they have, yeah. And Supergirl's you, panel last year was on YouTube. Yeah, you might have to weigh like if it's if you're getting enough bang for your buck this year, but I'm probably just going to keep an eye on, on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> for, for the yeah. full panel. Yeah, if they do any streaming stuff this year, I might see how that works and see if it is worth it. So that that's a cool option though if they if they do streaming. Um, David Harewood shared the title of the season two premiere episode on his Instagram account. Episode 201 is called The Adventures of Supergirl. That sounds really familiar. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about this because I didn't know this until now. I guess I haven't been paying as much attention to Instagram as I well, thought I was. <laughs> as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, I feel like an expert on whatever this is, even if we haven't seen it yet. So. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious as to why it is called The Adventures of Supergirl. I would like to know Sterling Gates' thoughts on this. Uh, <laughs> are you excited? <laughs> he should Because we're excited. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a good sign. I don't know. 
it's a, for me, I think that's, that's an exciting thing. Although since we know it's a two parter with the Superman, uh, debut, I'm curious to know what episode two is called. Mm-hmm. We don't know that yet. So, yeah. So that's, that's very exciting though, that we're starting to get more news about what's maybe happening in season two, even though this is kind of a vague title, like we don't really know much about it. That's that's exciting that it t- sort of maybe ties. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it has nothing to do with the digital comic that we've been reading. But <laughs> but may, maybe it does. Maybe it somehow ties into it. So I think that is neat that we're starting to get episode titles. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in keeping with some Season 2 spoilers, uh, Entertainment Weekly brought a Season 2 question about Jeremiah Danvers to the spoiler room. When asked what was coming up on Supergirl in Season 2, EW quoted Andrew Kreisberg, who suggested that, quote, until you see Jeremiah Danvers walk through the front door, everything can be questioned, unquote. Entertainment Weekly finished up their spoiler room scoop for Supergirl, writing that, quote, as for why Jeremiah is locked up at Project Cadmus, if it's really him, we'll find out why he's so important in season two, unquote. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about this because I wanted to see more about Jeremiah Danvers and what's going on with that. So I am excited to see what this mysterious thing going around his storyline what's what's happening with his character it all sounds very intriguing so i'm I'm pretty excited to see what this mystery is and if it's really him i don't know that makes, <laughs> i'm torn about that i'm like oh i kind of don't want him to do like a clone weird i don't know storyline like that. yeah <laughs> so i'm kind of like why can't they just we just have him but then what if what if it really is him but he's all emotionally and mentally like damaged (laughs) well i don't know if i want that either so yeah with 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 project cadmus a lot of people associate that with clones Mm -hmm. and uh robotic things right so something could be happening with i know uh back in season one a lot of people were speculating that maybe jeremiah turns out to be the cyborg superman since hank henshaw is really martian manhunter what happened to the actual real hank henshaw so I could see that it going in that direction, that maybe he becomes the cyborg Superman. And, you know, to have Dean Cain become another version of Superman would be pretty awesome. But, That'd be cool. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I do I, – I think your point is a good one, though. I would really like it to be the real Jeremiah because I – I think that Alex and Eliza sort of deserve that. You know, like if you're going to bring Jeremiah back from the dead – you should make it worth it. That's all I'm saying. So uh, we'll we'll see what they do with him. To celebrate the 10th anniversary of Superman Returns, Brandon Routh participated in an AMA on Reddit. And when asked about Tyler Hecklin, he said, quote, I wish him the best and hope to meet him if Ray gets to cross over to Supergirl, smiley face, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I had not connected I, I, you know, we had talked about Melissa Benoist and Tyler Hecklin sharing the screen, and I never really thought, well, maybe they should put him with the other Superman. You know, maybe Tyler should be in a scene with Jeremiah Danvers, or uh, maybe, you know, his Superman gets to hang out with the Atom. I that I don't know why that had never crossed my mind. So I actually hope that that maybe happens in a crossover. That'd be really cool. That would be fun. I um. I actually didn't realize it was the 10th anniversary of Superman Returns. <laughs> Doesn't it make you feel old? It makes me feel old. It anyway. does. I remember when that movie came out, too. I watched it yeah, several it- times um, and thought that Brandon Routh's... Uh, I I think I... For me, personally, I like his Clark Kent more than his Superman, but that's my personal... Uh, my personal preference. That's understandable. Um, and yeah. he, he was good in the role. He did he did his job. And that was actually one of the first movies I remember seeing, like, modern-day movies in 3D. And I think mm. that I think that was one of the, the first times they tried to start reintroducing 3D with, like, main features. So they would only have, like, 20 minutes of 3D at a time or something. So uh, I, I don't I don't remember it being worth it, but I don't I don't know that they were used to doing the 3D back then. So um, so things have come a long way where we're getting full length movies in 3D, which personally I don't know. 
most movies aren't worth it. But that's a whole other yeah, thing. That's a I whole can't, other thing. I can't really do 3D movies. I get a bad headache. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can identify with that. And I also wear contacts so that I don't have to wear glasses. And so then when I have to go to the movie and put glasses on, I don't care for that. So it it has to be something that is really shot in 3D and make it worth it. But that's that's my, kind of my memory of Superman Returns in the theater. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that in 3D. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's cool that you know these these actors are able to c- continue on the legacy of playing Superman, and maybe they'll get a chance to interact. Well, and for our last bit of news, according to Deadline.com, Netflix and the CW have finalized their multi-year contract licensing deal that allows Netflix to remain the exclusive U.S. subscription television service for previous seasons of scripted series broadcasts on the network. Starting with the upcoming 2016 to 2017 season, Netflix members will be able to stream full seasons for each of these programs beginning eight days after each show's season finale. And this, of course, will include Supergirl. So if you like watching the CW shows on Netflix, this is good news. We'll get to keep watching them there. The only thing that I'm a little bummed about, and I actually wrote about this very thing over at the Mary Sue today, is that because Netflix is getting the deal with CW now, Hulu Hulu's deal actually ran out. And so... I know for me personally, that was where I was watching a lot of my CW shows. Like they, they offer, they used to offer next day options for stuff that was new. And then, so the issue now is that if you want to watch a full season, you either have to buy a season pass somewhere else like Amazon or iTunes. You either have to watch on the CW player, which I believe offers a rolling a, a number of rolling five episodes based on whatever time frame. So after a certain point, they're going to expire. Right. Um, or wait until the se- full season is over and watch on Netflix. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, Cause I feel like the CW is introducing a lot of new shows this fall. And so for people that maybe aren't going to be able to buy a full season pass, like to wait that long to watch a full season is kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's, but that's my only that's my only like criticism about it is that for me like I'm probably gonna have it's difficult sometimes. I mean, Supergirl, I know I have to watch, live. <laughs> but for other shows like I'm really I really want to check out Riverdale, which I've heard you know interesting things about, and other some of the other new shows. So it's kind of a bummer that you either have to wait until it's all done or try to make sure that you catch it on the CW you know quickly enough or online at least or you know by the season pass so that's the only that's the only kind of bummer about it i mean i don't think it's necessarily going to hurt the cw in the long run but like i said it's probably not going to help in terms of trying to attract like new fans to some of these shows so fingers crossed though i i'm i'm going to tell everybody though to keep up with supergirl because it's worth it (laughs) yeah it's it's so crazy because everybody nowadays has so many different ways that we consume these shows Mm -hmm. so it's i i guess you're having to you know as an executive or somebody you know in these companies has to decide well we're going to prefer this one over this one and then you know chance losing these viewers who watch it on Hulu, which I can see the benefits of both with Netflix. You can watch the whole thing at once if you wanted to binge it. But with Hulu, it's a, uh, it's probably a better way to keep up with it as it's going along. So it's definitely a, a different way to consume all these shows. And, um, you know, for me, I watch it on my DVR, but I can understand that, you know, if people don't want <laughs> to have to pay for cable, you know, right. there, there are different ways to, to watch them. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, in- that's interesting because I, I hadn't even thought about the Hulu thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't have cable and more and more people are kind of leaning on streaming services. And so I would actually, I, I actually use, I mean, I pay for cable and internet, but there's a lot of networks that have exclusive streaming apps now right? that you can watch their shows on. And so I'd almost like to see the CW. I don't think they have that, but it'd be interesting to see, to get that from them or cause I know like networks like sci-fi have it, um, Showtime and stars have it and HBO obviously. But like, I'd like to actually see that from CW. Now, Cause that might be an easier way for people to catch up. They do have the CW seed, but I haven't done as much investigating with the CW yeah. seed and, and how it works. But as far as I understood, it, at least from last yeah. season, it would have been the five episodes 
um, at a time situation. But I, I think they could turn it into like a, a subscription app if they wanted to do that. Yeah. Because even like stars, you can pay, I think, $8 a month and you get just their streaming app and you can watch all the shows that way and you don't have to pay for the channel. Yeah, it's Which I think is a really smart it's a really smart just like marketing decision because people will pay to watch the shows online and they don't have to pay to what they don't have to get cable to watch it. So, yeah, I think we're going to probably start seeing more of that in the future because it's sort of an a la carte thing, which is which is great personally, because there's, you know, there might be five channels that I watch on a regular basis. And, uh, right. and, and the other ones are just kind of there in the background. So I think it's actually pretty smart. So we'll see what happens. But um, I guess at least if you are one of those people who likes to wait until the season is finished and then binge it, uh, you'll be able to do that on Netflix. Well, that's all for our news for this episode. So let's get into our discussion of Lego DC Comics superheroes Justice League Cosmic Clash, which uh, which is a very long <laughs> title for a movie. Um, I, guess, I guess we can short, shorten it to Justice League Cosmic Clash. Uh, you know it's Lego. You know it's DC Comics and their superheroes. So that's kind of additional stuff in the title. Um, but here's the description for Cosmic Clash from Amazon.com. It says, quote, when Brainiac zaps Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern to different places in time, the race is on for Batman and the Flash to reassemble the Justice League, unquote. Um, and this, this is actually a really uh, fun movie, and uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to find other words to use other than fun. But in this, in this situation, I think it's applicable, even though I'm I overuse the word fun a lot. <laughs> um, but Carly, I was curious because you know for Supergirl Radio, we've talked a lot about different versions of Supergirl and how they're portrayed in different uh, stories and different uh, media, where you know you might have live action or cartoons or comics or something like that. So here we get an animated Lego movie. So what did you think about the way that they portrayed Supergirl in this version? The movie itself kind of seemed to go call back to a lot of the really younger versions of Supergirl and where she's also kind of having to prove herself to the team. Like she gets the call from Cyborg when Superman, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern get zapped away because she's one of, I guess, the Justice League members on call. (laughs) And, um, And there's a whole talk about how she has to get like a permission slip signed yeah. <laughs> to like to like go and fight crime, which I thought was kind of funny. But then also it's like, well, why can't she just be a bona fide member already? Um, but it's interesting that they kind of uh, they make several allusions to the fact that she's not really a full fledged member yet. Like even at the end where they're trying to take down Brainiac when they've all been shrinkified <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and she doesn't have her own little jet yet she doesn't have her own little lego jet they're like oh i guess you have to get your like pilot's license for <laughs> like they make some quip about it um and then she's like really and superman makes some line about like we'll see yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. um you know and i think it's kind of funny especially in light of our recent conversation about supergirl's first appearance in the comics like <laughs> even now she's still trying to like become a full member and prove herself to Superman and prove that she can be a strong superhero, which I mean, the movie itself was really cute. Um, I thought it was like a fun little, we're going to just keep saying fun. I think this whole yeah, podcast, I, I need to, I need to start making like flashcards. It was endearing. Synonyms. Um, <laughs> it was charming. Yeah, there I, you go. All great words. Yeah. It was charming movie. I, but I was still kind of like, like, why can't she just be a full justice league member already? She's how many years later and she's still trying to from day one. <laughs> yeah. And I think part of that for this movie is that she is portrayed as a younger hero. She's right, in right. high school. She's, she is on the cheerleading squad. And oh, was she high school? I, I thought so. Be, or maybe okay. she could maybe she could have or been college, in college. Maybe? She could have yeah. been a collegiate cheerleader. She's a cheerleader, yeah. So I assumed that because of the way they were treating her, that maybe she was in high school, maybe she was younger, but they they don't specify. She could have been on the college level in the cheerleading squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Although I thought it was really 
uh, uncool of Supergirl to let those cheerleaders fall to the ground. I was like, yeah, I cannot not great. believe you let because she's on the bottom. She's of on the bottom the of the human pyramid, holding and, everybody up by herself. And she just lets them fall. I was like, that is not a smart move. They probably injured themselves. Not cool because you know cheerleaders when they do that kind of stuff, they are really putting themselves in physical harm if they if they fall they're gonna hurt themselves so that was the one critique i had for supergirl and this was like you need to, if you're gonna be on the bottom of that pyramid you need to make sure that those other cheerleaders are okay um so <laughs> i i felt really bad for those those other girls um but yes yeah, she is a little bit younger she is having to prove to everyone else that she is a team player uh i i liked that she was paired with Cyborg for mm-hmm. most of the time in this movie because I I, I I felt like their energies were the same. They both had that yeah. u- that useful, excited energy. They were silly. Yeah. What did you think about her interactions with Cyborg? Yeah. They. I mean, Cyborg from the beginning is kind of a goober in the movie. <laughs> like they're playing hide and seek, and he goes to hide in Wonder Woman's invisible jet, not, not realizing nice. that the person in the jet is not invisible. <laughs> But from the beginning, he's kind of silly. And then I liked it. They had little gags throughout the movie. Like he's he's logging into the database and his password is Batfan1. Mm-hmm. And like other little things. I think, But they think they kind of tried to make him the com- like more of the comedic relief of the team. Like he was just really silly. And so that's why I think his energy meshed really well with Supergirl. Because they were both just, you know, like they made up their own cheers about defeating Brainiac and like calling him a loser and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which he did not was, care for. He did not. No, care he didn't for like that. that. No. Uh, uh, but yeah, they, they did do their own little cheers. And uh, I, I thought, I thought it was good to have her be around somebody who might've been her same age and her energetic level. So, uh, and, but, but then they also showed her sort of fangirling over Wonder Woman. So you get some of the, uh, that, uh, I guess dichotomy where she's hanging out with somebody her own age, but then she sort of meets one of her heroes and freaks out about it. So I, I liked that we get to see her interacting with all of these other Justice League members. And there was even a little bit at the end when Superman comes back from being, in the future and she runs up to hug hug him and i thought that was really adorable because you know we've talked a little bit about the dynamic between superman and supergirl and we got to see that a little bit even if it was just for a you know a few seconds we got to see a little bit of their connection in this movie and i was not aware until i looked it up but the voice of supergirl in this movie uh is jessica DeSico. And uh, if if you watch DC Superhero Girls, you will recognize her as Star Sapphire. But for me, I personally recognized her from Adventure Time. She plays Flame Princess. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I She obviously is a very <laughs> well-renowned uh, and diverse voice actress being able to play all these different parts. So I thought that was pretty cool that Flame Princess was play- <laughs> playing Supergirl. So I thought that was neat. Um so we we talked a little bit about Supergirl and her dynamic with the team and her trying to prove herself. Um, what did you just think about the overall story? I mean, we got to see all the Brainiacs and we got to see some of the Legion of Superheroes. So first off, what did you think about uh, Brainiac in this story? Brainiac and his collection of planets. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's interesting because I I guess for me, I didn't realize it was Brainiac at first because we see him in the beginning bottling a planet that he accidentally destroys. And then it's his collection is not complete because he doesn't have a planet that starts with EA. <laughs> and so he has to go after earth. But for me, I'm, I'm not t- too familiar with Brainiac from the comics. So I guess I didn't quite recognize until he got referenced by name. And then I was like, Oh, that's Brainiac with his little brain waves. Um, his, uh, his shrink ray and his other rays, but I thought he was just funny. Like I liked all the little mannerisms that they equipped for him. Um, and then I like at the end that he basically it's, it was interesting that they, he's, he's fully prepared to self-destruct himself. (laughs) That's so repetitive. Destroy himself (laughs) because he can't complete his planet collection. But 
the league basically talks him into collecting coins and then just staying in prison forever. <laughs> Which I thought was a really smart plan. Well, it was like very merciful. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, obvi- I don't think they probably would have had him blow himself up because it was a kid's movie. Right. But I appreciate that they took a more merciful approach and they basically gave him something harmless to do. While he's behind bars. Well, yeah, and I I liked that they sort of played on, they made him this, like, obsessive... Right. I I guess he was like a... I don't want to say OCD. I'm not somebody who can diagnose somebody. But he was very, you know, I've got to have my planets in mint condition. I've got to alphabetize everything. I've got to have everything a certain way. And so he was a character... And I liked the, the characterization of Brainiac in this because it makes a lot of sense. If he does collect all these planets, which is a very just so you're aware is a very typical brainiac thing that he collects these planets and keeps them in his ship and um wants to have all of this knowledge for himself and so i thought that actually played well into his character that he was sort of like a crazed collector that made a lot of sense to me when i saw it and i i think the outcome of them replacing his addiction with something that could keep it going I thought it was actually really smart that, uh, you know, they they work out this plan so that he's collecting coins, which get minted all the time and never run out. So he's constantly collecting them. I was like, well done, Justice League. That's pretty smart. (laughs) Batman seems very pleased with himself for coming up with that idea. He's like, they get minted every year, so his collection will never end. Well, um, (laughs) they they do make mention several times of how smart Batman is. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite lines in the movie is, uh, Batman says something like, if I'm right, and Wonder Woman says, you usually are. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Batman is uh, very smart in this one, as he usually is. Um, and I also really, I, I fell in love with Brainiac, uh, and we have to specify which Brainiac. There were multiple Brainiacs in this uh, one. Mainly, we're talking about Brainiac 1.1, but we meet 1.2, 1.3, and 1.4 in this one. Uh, but uh, 1.1's maniacal laugh, I was like, I need to yeah. make that my ringtone. <laughs> he was great. He was cracking me up, and he was he was pretty villainous. He was taking out some of his dudes, um, so he was a good villain, I thought. And he, you know, he really tried to take out the strongest members of the team. So. Uh, even though it's a Lego movie and it's for kids, I thought it actually had a really strong story and the characterization was very good. Um, what did you think about, we get to, we get to go into the future to, to rescue Superman and we meet some of the members of the Legion of Superheroes. Were you familiar with Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what did you think about them? Um... I'm actually trying to find the the part. Oh, so what Superman was Cyborg Superman, right? Well, I think they call him I think they refer to him as like Brainiac Superman. He he looked like Cyborg Superman to me. Yeah. But they um I wrote that down in my notes somewhere. Yeah, he's got Brainiac symbols on his forehead, the the future where they go that used to be a utopia is called Brainiac Tropolis. And um, Batman and the Legion refer to him as Brainiac Superman. And his voice is modulated, so it sounds a little scarier. So even though he looked sort of like Cyborg Superman, he was actually a Brainiac version of Superman. But it was, I mean, it was fun. I It's funny because they make these characters look very much like I guess the classic version of their characters, like even Saturn girl has like her little blonde ponytail, which <laughs> I thought was cute. Um, I think they definitely tried to call back to the, but the classic versions of these characters from like the fifties. So I thought that was kind of, was kind of fun. Like the Lego versions of them. <laughs> yeah. And I liked that we got to see the Legion of superheroes because they're often associated with the future. You know, they're, they're mm. from the future and sometimes they will come to the past to interact with characters in the present. But mm. I, I thought that was actually really smart when they, they send Superman ahead into time and to 2116, they, you know, show us the, the Legion of superheroes. And those three actually appeared on Smallville. 
So if you watch oh. if you watch Smallville in season eight, I believe they were the three Legion of Superheroes who um, who came into the Smallville present. And uh, so I, I think I'm not as familiar with the Legion of Superheroes. I want to say they're three of the more well known ones. But uh, at least they're the ones that I know. <laughs> so it was it was neat to see them again. And it, it was, it, again, I thought it was a cool story that they're all that's left of the Legion and that they are the ones trying to have a little bit of a rebellion against Brainiac. So I, I thought it was cool that, you know, even when Batman is left to fend for himself in the future, he gets some help from those guys. Um, so we kind of talked about Supergirl, and we've talked about things that are mostly associated with Supergirl, like Brainiac, like the Legion of Superheroes. But do you have any other thoughts about this movie uh, in addition to that? I thought it was interesting that they kind of made Batman like the de facto leader of Justice League, where in, I mean, in in the sense that he was the one that was responsible primarily for rounding everybody up again, and also seemed like he was kind of the the justice league member that was keeping everybody else in line because <laughs> yeah. they're all playing hide and seek at the beginning and they're messing around and they're not, you know, they're not being serious enough, at least, at least where Batman is concerned. Um, and then at the end, obviously we know that he kind of is willing to loosen up a little more and take part in the silliness. But it was interesting that they kind of even, I mean, it, I don't know if it would necessarily, they intended to be that way, but it, that's kind of how it came across to me. It was like, he was like the dad of the justice. League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, one of my favorite moments in the movie is that he actually, when they're talking about the justice league rule book, he actually whips it out. There's actually a physical right, right, rule right, book right. that has been created. <laughs> Which you know, justice he wrote, he totally you know he wrote, wrote that. <laughs> he totally wrote the rule book. So, um, oh. so that's what, that's uh, one of my favorite moments in the movie. But I thought even though they, well, they did play him as very serious and they played him as, as some other stories have where he has a very uh, long list of paranoid um, worries about what the Justice League could do. And they all know that he's constructed these plans that could stop them if they get out of control, like Green Lantern mentions it several times about how paranoid he, he is. But what I thought was really smart about them mentioning that was that it comes back into play at the end. So, you know, he's able to play on that, you know, worry that something bad is going to happen and he can use that to his advantage to get Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern back. So I, I liked that. Yeah, I, Lego Batman is one of my favorite Batman because he is <laughs> he is very serious but he is also very playful at times, and and you know, mm-hmm. he he just he just wants someone to ask him to play hide and seek. I think, um, and I I really enjoyed his interactions with the Flash, and Lego Flash is become quickly becoming one of my favorite Flashes too. He he might um, be competing with Grant Gustin's Flash in my heart because <laughs> I love Lego Flash. I I first saw him in uh, Batman Beleaguered, I think is what it's called. So uh, I, I enjoy him, and I enjoy that uh, he got so excited about creating the cosmic treadmill with Batman. It's like, are we going to do it? Are we going we gonna to build it? And uh, that was the first time I had seen the cosmic treadmill built on top of the Batmobile. Um, and I, I loved that he had to continually run through all of the <laughs> run through all the time periods. So uh, I, I thought all of that was really great. They even handled the time travel elements of this story. I thought pretty well that they were able to, you know, go back and, and rescue the heroes. And when the heroes were back to their normal selves, they, they go back into the present. So it, like every time they set up a rule in the story, they paid it off and made everything make sense. So I did, I, I was right. like, this would probably make sense to a small child who is watching this because it, <laughs> if it made sense to me, it probably made sense to a small child. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciated that they handled everything, including time travel very well. I like that wonder woman is basically responsible for the creation of the Island of Amazons that she later descends from. Yes. <laughs> according to, according to cosmic clash, like, timeline rules i thought that was really funny they basically like these cave women you know basically say we're gonna go form an island without any men on it and then batman's like 
Mm, okay, I guess that's how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will be a paradise. I think is right. what they say. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of funny. I, thought, I got a laugh out of that. Yeah, and it, and also that made a lot of sense because they refer to her as a queen, which is not too far off from what Diana is mostly known for. You know, she's mostly Princess Diana, and mm-hmm. her her mother is a queen. Queen Hippolyta. Right. So that actually made a lot of sense to me. So I was like, this this is all lining up. I, I totally right. I totally buy this backstory. Um and even the stuff with Green Lantern I thought was great. I enjoyed the pirate ship sequence with, you know, Captain Fear. Although I was really confused as to why there was like this surfer dude on the pirate ship. He uh he seemed out of place in time. I don't know if somebody had traveled through time before and he just got left behind on the pirate ship. (laughs) Um, But I thought that was funny. And especially, like, Batman has all of these costumes available at the ready in his Batmobile uh, for when he travels through time. He has the caveman outfit. He's got the the bat beard situation ready to go. So I, I, I appreciated that they were able to kind of play that off, but then, you know, quickly explain it and move on. You didn't really have to dwell on the fact that he just happened to have this caveman outfit in his in his Batmobile. Well, and I guess we should mention that there was a little bit of Martian Manhunter in this. <laughs> That's uh, right. Like a, and Vandal Savage. And Vandal Savage. So we did get to see some, uh, and there was a little bit of Green Arrow. Um, so we did get to see some members of the league who we do know in the uh cw cw universe um mm-hmm. even though we got to see them in you know little cameo type things vandal savage had a little bit more of a role when he's uh kidnapped by the <laughs> the cave women who later become i guess the amazonian um women on the themyscira uh right. they, they capture Vandal Savage and Batman together. So uh, we did get to see a little bit of them. Um, so, yeah, overall, um, what are your thoughts on this movie and, and I guess the Supergirl aspects? And just in general, what are your overall thoughts about Justice League Cosmic Clash? <laughs> Should we just keep saying it's fun? Because it's fun. It is no, fun. Overall, it is a fun movie. It's a fun, you know, little a little over an hour long. So if you want to put that on. You know, on a on a lazy afternoon with nothing to do, <laughs> it's just like a it's just a nice movie to just sit down and watch. I had a I had a good time watching it, so I would recommend it. I mean, if you're gonna if you want to watch it for Supergirl, it's a little light on the Supergirl, but overall, it's a fun movie. It's and it's a nice kid friendly movie. So if you have little ones, you know, it's a it's a good movie for them to watch too. You can introduce your you can introduce your kids to some classic Justice League characters. I would agree. I think this is a good entry point if uh, if you have kids who have not seen any Justice League stuff. I think this is a good way to get to to know all of these characters. And I think they do a, a fairly good job of keeping them very character correct. Like, even with the cyborg stuff of him being, like, the the fanboy of all his favorite superheroes, that, that to me is cyborg, that he would that he would have his username be Batfan, <laughs> you know, like that, that seems right on the money. And I would also agree that the Supergirl stuff was a little light. I was a little disappointed because I thought we would get more of her because the trailer had, you know, there were some clips that got released that had her on. I don't think she shows up until like 30 minutes in, but it was cool to get to see her fight with the league, even though she doesn't get her own uh, ship that later becomes the, the mega leaguer or whatever they call it. She is still fighting with the team. She's, she uses her heat vision a lot. She shows off her super strength. So she does get to go around and do some, you know, butt kicking and some fighting and some superheroing. So even though we don't get to see a lot of her, she, she does some cool stuff in the movie. And I even thought maybe there was a little bit of like a streaky reference because, um, when she loses focus during the fight against Brainiac and his robots, there's like a kitten that comes through and she, she like stops and, and, and talks to the cat. So I don't know if that's like a reference to Streaky, but there were funny things like that that, uh, got my attention. So I, I definitely would recommend this to anybody, even if you don't have kids. I think this is a, uh, an entertaining movie that, uh, is worth your time to watch, um, even if you just watch it for Flash and Brainiac, I think those are good reasons to watch it. Um, <laughs> but but the Supergirl is very there, there's 
a different way of portraying her in this one, that she is much younger and that she is a cheerleader who does cheers while she's fighting. So it, it is a different take on Supergirl. But I think that's the cool thing about the characters that we get to see uh, a variety of ways that she's portrayed. All right. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for our Cosmic Clash discussion. But before we wrap up, we have an email from a listener named Martin who writes, quote, I'm a little sad that you didn't call back to the episode, season one, episode 11, when you replied to my email about the chances of Linda Carter coming in as POTUS. In your chat, you also overlooked the implicit reference to Ms. Magazine, which I think is an, I think is important context, unquote. And Martin, we certainly didn't mean to make you sad. That's definitely not what we meant to do. Uh, but I sort of made that judgment call since we had already mentioned it on the podcast. I didn't, I didn't think we needed to repeat it. But I would agree that you're right about how important that is to the history of Wonder Woman and, and in general to the history of women in America, particularly in the late 60s and in the 1970s. And the... The cool thing about going back and, and looking at this stuff with Ms. Magazine and Wonder Woman and even the Linda Carter influence was that it goes back to Gloria Steinem and her real world influence in the uh, the women's liberation movement and all that kind of stuff because she sort of becomes an influence on Wonder Woman just as Wonder Woman had become an influence on her when she was growing up because Gloria Steinem sort of fought to get Wonder Woman's powers given back to her in the comics when she had lost her power. So it's cool to see how both of those sides affected the other, that the fictional character inspired the real-world woman who then inspired and uh, paid it back to the fictional character. So I, I thought that was really cool. And I I would highly recommend if anybody wants to learn more about that history of that time period and the effect of Wonder Woman in the the real life women's m movement, I would recommend um, The Warrior, The Myth, and The Wonder. Uh, that's a featurette on Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which recently just came out on uh, on digital. So if you have access to that, I would definitely recommend that because it's a great featurette on Wonder Woman and her history and um, the the thing that I think is neat about the Ms. Magazine thing is that I you know I recently with in the past year I read the George Perez or Perez however you want to pronounce it I think it's Perez um, but his run of Wonder Woman actually has the Ms. Magazine uh, cover in the panels so I think that's really neat that they were able to take that and include it in. Uh, the actual comics. So I, I highly recommend that featurette and um, thank you for bringing that back up because that, that part of Wonder Woman's history is very important. Yeah. Cause Wonder Woman was actually on the very first cover of Miss Magazine, I think. Yeah. Which is an epic cover. It's and like one of my favorites. Ms. Magazine was actually, uh, Gloria Steinem was actually one of the founders of that magazine. Right. Yep. So, um, so I, it's, it's really kind of neat to, to know that a fictional character inspired a real life person. Cause I have experienced that in my life. Like a lot of these fictional characters that we talk about, you know, have inspired me, you know, like I always talk about when, uh, when I was going through cancer, how, you know, watching some of the movies that I did or reading some of the books that I did, you know, really helped me kind of keep going. And, you know, when, when I wasn't having a great day, that would, you know, make my day better. So sometimes fictional characters, I think some people, might brush that under the rug that, oh, it's just a fictional story or whatever, but it can make an impact on people's lives. And uh, I think that you see that through Gloria Steinem. And she actually had a hand, if you go to Amazon.com and look up Gloria Steinem and Wonder Woman, there's a book that you can get where she's, um, I think it's a compilation of essays or something. Um, so that I think is really neat to see an impact of Wonder Woman on, on somebody who affected culture affected you know women's rights so i think that's really neat how all that connects yeah i actually read a really good wonder woman book i don't know if you've read it uh jill lapore's the secret history of wonder woman no i haven't it came out to about two years ago and it basically goes all the way back to uh the history of william moulton marston who was the creator of wonder woman um he was you know a psychologist he invented the lie detector he was, you know, a self-proclaimed feminist. It's really interesting. It basically goes into his life and then how Wonder Woman kind of 
was influenced by the women in his life and contributed to all that. So it's, it, it goes through her beginnings and then kind of explores the timeline and introduces, you know, her, her impact on the feminist movement. And so all that stuff, it's really good. I'd recommend it if you're looking for kind of a deep dive into Wonder Woman's origins and, and also different versions over the years, how things changed and how certain aspects were, you know, in, you know, things that things that got dropped and other things that were changed. So it's interesting. It's yeah. worth the read. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in that because I'm I'm still working through. It's uh, it's a book called Investigating Lois Lane. So I'm 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 still working through Lois's history. But it's yeah. it's it's interesting because that featurette on Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice they make mention that Wonder Woman and Lois Lane were characters that really did a lot for women during the time because they had, you know, their own titles and things like that. So, uh, so those two characters I think have a really fascinating history. And, uh, so once, once I get through Lois's history, maybe I'll go back in, into Wonder Woman's because I think they, they have impacted our culture. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's good. There's a lot of, um, like comic strip excerpts from all the way back in the beginning, you cool. know, when she used to say things like suffering Sappho a lot. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. Is it, so it's just, it's really interesting when, to look at how, how the characters evolved over time. So I would recommend if you're and uh, if you need the title again, it's the secret history of wonder woman by, and it's by Jill Lepore. I will definitely put that on my Amazon wish list. Okay. <laughs> we also got some tweets from at Nallybud, who offers up a mathematical solution for Kal-El slash Clark Kent's age on Supergirl. <laughs> Just like we did. <laughs> uh, he looks at it this way. Quote, Cal's age at the departure from Krypton, plus Kara's 24 years of travel, plus 12 years until Kara saved the plane, equals Cal's age in the Supergirl pilot. CBS.com says that Kara lives in National City when she is 24 years old and keeps her power secret for 12 years. Baby Cal looked to be one year old, no more than two at least. So two plus 24 plus 12 equals no more than 38 years old at the time of the pilot. So, Carly, you're you're more the math person than I am. But I that seems like that could check out, too. I think it all depends on, you know... It depends on those those variables like Kal-El's right. age when they leave Krypton and stuff like that. So, but I, I think I think we're nailing the thirty six to thirty eight year range. Does yeah, that... he's definitely mid. To, I would say mid to late thirties. Okay. At this point. All right. So I, I think we've we've got some ideas. So I think I think we're going to go thirty six to thirty eight in this in this range, um, unless they tell us differently. Again, they could totally have a birthday party. And have a certain amount of candles in the cake, uh, but I, I think I think for now we'll probably think of him as thirty six to thirty eight. That's that seems about right. Well, if you want to contact us with any feedback and some more math problems, <laughs> uh, uh, although I would prefer feedback over math problems, but um, thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much to at Nally Bud for. Um, sending that in because and tweeting us that because I, I think it's a, it's fun to look at all of these things a different way. Um, but you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely check out our playlist. I actually just updated with a few songs a couple of days ago that I was really proud of. I added a track from the Flash soundtrack that I was like, this has to be on our playlist because it's a, a, it's, a, it's a track called Always Late, The Fastest Man Alive, Always Late. <laughs> and that, that just made me all kinds of happy. And there's like an acapella Justice League Unlimited theme song. So um, good stuff. So um, And if you are on Spotify, you can collaborate and add stuff if you think you have songs that are applicable. So you can uh, definitely participate and add some more songs. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. We are also part of the DCTV Podcast Network. So if you like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even the DC movies, subscribe to our DCTV Podcast Mega Feed and follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. 
As for me, per the usual, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. Still taking a little bit of a hiatus, but um, I will jump back on when I get back on. And if you have something you want to tweet at me, I'll try to respond to it. Um, and you can also watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. I just recently finished my 5K playlist that uh, I had recorded a video back in January, which was now six months ago, <laughs> finally getting that in, up so that my 5K training experience is now complete. So uh, I'm start slowly but surely <laughs> getting things updated on my YouTube channel. Um, and I was also recently on the Man of Screen podcast to talk about Jeff Johns and his involvement with the DC movies. Uh, you can find that uh, on uh, the Man of Screen podcast. Uh, that's episode three of the Man of Screen Extra episodes that uh, Mike Zumo does. And I also did a little bit of voice acting uh, for a table read of a pilot written by uh, Legends of Gotham's Bill Meeks. If if you like Gotham and you like the Gotham podcast on our network, Legends of Gotham, Bill Meeks, uh, one of the co-hosts of that podcast, uh, wrote a script called Infinite Tina, which you can watch and listen to over at infinitetina.com. Uh, I tried to... Tried to do a little acting. I don't know if it was any good. <laughs> I'm not a very good actress, but that was a lot of fun to participate in. And um, very proud of Mr. Bill Meeks for doing something like that because I, I don't think I could do something like, you know, write a script like that. And it's a, it's a cool story. And uh, Tina's a neat character. And she has a little sidekick called Vicky, who I played. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. So check out his uh, Infinite Tina pilot over at infinitetina.com. You can also find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I'm weekend editor at The Mary Sue, which you can visit themarysue.com. Kind of taking a little bit of a break from side writing, uh, but I'm probably going to jump back in in a couple weeks. Just taking a little bit of like a summer vacation from my in my brain. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing something a little similar. Um, I'm, I'm patterning, pattering it, patterning patterning that's the word it after um seinfeld when george talks about the summer of george i'm having like the summer of rebecca so i'm like taking off from twitter i'm editing videos i'm watching classic films on tcm i'm reading books i'm trying to culture myself i'm trying to educate myself so sometimes you need a break and you need to you know do something for yourself every now and then so i think that's i'm having the the summer of rebecca so I highly recommend the summer of Carly if if you wanted to, if you wanted to, <laughs> to do something like that. It's it's been good for me so far. For me, it's rewatching a lot of episodes of Parks and Rec, and That's... also watching my way through Star Trek for the first time. Nice, because I was always a, I was always a Star Wars fan, so I'm trying yeah. to kind of I'm I'm getting into Star Trek now. But it's never too late for that, I think. Well, uh, I'm a Star Wars fan too, so I don't want to lose you to the other side. But, uh, but <laughs> nah, I think I'll just I'll just have a foot in both camps now. <laughs> but I think that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, um, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson, and I'm still Carly Lane, and I sure am glad that Supergirl could help the Justice League defeat Dumb Naniac. I'm high fiving you for that, but my heart isn't in it. <laughs>